WKCR FM New York. This is Jazz Alternatives tonight, a presentation of the program Deep Focus. And the music will be from the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Our guest will be percussionist Adam Rudolph, who's got a special source of insight into the history of this fantastic group. You've landed in the right place. We've got some magnificent live recordings starting with something from Hamburg at the Fabrique, June of 1977. Art Ensemble of Chicago, of course. Lester Bowie playing trumpet. Roscoe Mitchell and Joseph Jarman on the reeds. Malachi Favors on the bass. Don Moyer, percussion, and everybody providing a whole lot of other sounds as well. This is a rare live recording you'll hear nowhere else other than on WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. We're in Hamburg with the Art Ensemble of Chicago.
Hamburg, which was West Germany in June of 1977 when this recording was made of the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Lester Bowie playing the trumpet. I believe that was Roscoe Mitchell soloing there on uh, reeds. 
and uh, Joseph Jarman also playing reed instruments. Malachi Favors, Magostas on the bass, Famadou Don Moye on the drums, the Art Ensemble of Chicago, a uh, larger-than-life organization in the eyes and ears of many of us who love this music, and, and particularly in the eyes and ears of uh, our guest tonight, who I think we're going to find out the Art Ensemble of Chicago had a mighty impact on his young and less young days. Mm. Let me give a hearty welcome to Adam Rudolph back to the studios of WKCR. Uh, thank you so much, Mitch, for having me on. It's a pleasure. Well, this is something we've been talking about doing for a long, long time, mm. and I know for you it comes from uh, a deep place. I think something I think about a lot when I invite musicians to do this show and something that becomes a a point of entry, at the very least. And sometimes it's a question I ask, and sometimes it's something that comes back to me from the artist before I even get to ask. Right. When you were first wrapping your head about what this music could be, mm. for a lot of us, maybe 15 years old or something like that, right. what was one of the things that, that grabbed you and shook you loose? And I, I kind of get the sense that uh, that this music was high up on the list in that for you. Yeah, it, well, okay, I... Uh um, I think maybe it would make sense if I sort of uh, gave a time and a place. Please. So, uh, and you know, and I'm I'm so happy to be here. I mean, I'm certainly far from any kind of expert on the Art Ensemble of Chicago, but it's, it's not about there being an some, expert. Right, okay. it's, I want to hear it's your love, experience. right? Yeah, yeah. I want to hear it through your eyes. Well, I think because I think there was a concert I attended of theirs that I think was sort of a pivotal pivotal moment where I said. Um, you know, I want to be involved in music, you know. So anyway, I grew up in Hyde Park on the south side of Chicago where, um, and I'm younger, maybe 10 years to 15 years younger than probably most of the art ensemble and many of the first generation AACM or a lot younger than Muhal. But um, uh, in Hyde Park, Steve McCall lived a couple doors down from me. Uh, Threadgill lived down the street. I knew Joseph just from around the neighborhood. Uh, I used to drum out at the place called The Point with George Favors and and some of the musicians from the Pharaoh. That's Malachi's brother. Um, anyway, and I and they they did a lot of things at my high school. I'll, maybe I'll talk about that a little bit later on because that was kind of some amazing experiences too. But there was one particular concert um, that they gave. And I was just thinking about it. I think it might have been 72, like not long after they returned from Europe, at Idenoise Hall, which was a building right across the street from the University of Chicago Laboratory School where I went to school. And um, a lot, I heard uh, Marion Brown and Steve McCall used to do duets there. Air did some of their first concerts there. I don't remember what I heard first or last, but... Just imagine it's in a gigantic room. It's not really a concert hall. It was a huge, huge room with chairs set up, and the art ensemble had set up everything. This was when they had a gazillion instruments, and um, that concert was the first time I had really, and I heard a lot of music in the in the neighborhood growing up, um, amazing stuff, too. I mean, Muddy, we could go hear Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf, uh, at the checkerboard on Sunday afternoons. Um, but this particular concert, um, so 72, I'm maybe 15 or 16, and um, in Idenoise Hall, and they played uh, for 
hours. And it was the first time I think I sort of saw images kind of from the music. I mean, in my mind's eye and was really transported to a place of what I would just call magic. And um, that's what that's what the art ensemble was really uh, uh, able to do when, when they were at their best was there something about the chemistry of those individuals uh, together that made um, just magic. And I'm, I only wish people, you know, now listening to the recordings because this it's it was so much, you know, their presentation was so much about uh, the visual dynamic and, and uh, very, um, yeah, visual just to see movement all, you know, everything. It was Maybe multimedia. talk a little bit about that. I want to hear what you saw and what you heard. Maybe start with what you saw. Uh, well, I saw, as I said, I saw, so the room is just absolutely full of instruments. I think they, you know, we're waiting, waiting for them to come out, maybe, you know, 45 minutes or something. And, and um, so what I saw, I mean, so there's, you know, multiple vibraphone. I mean, you want me to like yeah, multiple vibraphones, yeah. sets of gongs, xylophones, African drums. Uh, this is just the instruments. Um, bells. I mean, they made a lot of instruments out of rack, racking up a different Amenglocken. I mean, just dozens and dozens and dozens of percussion instruments to start with. And then, of course, Joseph and Roscoe had multiple reed instruments. Lester, I think at that time, had his bass drum. But everybody had, Malachi had his multiple setup, Moye had his drum kit, congas, and so everybody had these multiple percussion setups going on too. So the three, you know, half of the room was filled with their instruments. And when they came out, um, as always, they faced east and this moment of, of silence and then kind of set up this dynamic. That was the first time I saw that where all of a sudden you're dealing with this dynamic of ritual which I sort of began to understand that better what was going on about that when I went uh, just a couple years later and lived in Africa for a year and began to understand the idea of how an artist could design um, the presentation or the sharing of their music in other formats. And I so I understood better what they were really, I think, not to be presumptuous about it, but my experience of what I thought they were trying to do which was to sort of transcend this idea or redefine this idea, or expand the idea of what a concert actually could be. Um, the music, so the music started, I, you know, that the unfolding of that particular concert, I, you know, who knows? I mean, because I, I saw them many times since then at uh, uh, Mandel Hall, at the Blue Gargoyle, at uh, a place called the, um, uh, flip, slipping my mind right now. Anyway, so... Um, but the it was a not that was the other thing it was a nonstop concert they played for i think at least an hour and a half or 2 hours and the music just and it was never uh never a dull moment i mean it was this this unfolding of this amazing you you know theater it wasn't i mean i don't even like to separate out i don't think about it like that anymore theater music dance uh, you know, they had the, there was the body painting, there was movement, especially Joseph was really deep into movement, but Malachi too. And ultimately, when you all boil it down, the word that I would ref- come back to is magic. And they knew how to create a space, a magic space, and hold it and keep it there. It was like there, and it, and it just sustained itself through the whole time. Um, 
And that was sort of the beginning of my thinking. I'd already been kind of around a lot of the AACM musicians. I had done classical piano as a kid. and, and um, now, How but, old were you at, at this point? As well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Maybe four, no, 16. Yeah. I think. But I'd been exposed. That wasn't the first concert of AACM. I mean, I'd been starting to be exposed to their music at 13 and 14 because my uh, one of my music teachers was friends with um, Roberta Newman, was friends with Leroy Jenkins. So they arranged, he, the, a lot of the AAC musicians would come and play at our high school and also do workshops in our class, which I'll tell a little bit about one of those later. It was some amazing, also life transformative experiences. But, um, and anyways, but I was, I think that was sort of the moment where I guess I had been playing hand drums already. So, but this was, it was, it was um, out at the point, which was right on the, there's a big grassy area that's right on the lake there. And this is where all the drummers would drum. And I had started going out there like 14 and, we were, you know, kind of on the wild. It was Hyde Park was was sort of like the Haight Ashbury of Chicago, but it was also really incredible. It was also like the village here at a certain time. It was like this amazing confluence of creative energy that was going on there throughout the late '60s and early '70s. I mean, I met, I guess, the earlier '60s, but certainly my experience of kind of like. Uh, like everywhere that was happening, this sort of expanded consciousness of everybody looking at different kinds of things and opening up their minds to to uh, different aspects of mysticism and political awareness, all that. But the real epicenter of that in Chicago was Hyde Park. And uh, so out at the point, this place was, there was drummers where, where people were drumming. And... Um, I was just checking them out, and we'd be out there hanging, hanging, and I was like, kind of like, man, you know, and finally some of the, you know, can I have a turn? You know, can I have a turn? You know, and this wasn't like the New York drumming, which was sort of some sort of official Puerto Rican slash Caribbean drumming. This was like, I guess we would call it street drumming and very much tied into what was the the African-American community. And uh, so here I am, this little whatever, non-African-American, you know, but I'm like, can I play, you know, waiting my turn. And finally, the guys were so beautiful and cool and they, uh, and I could do it. I mean, it was some kind of gift. And, and, and um, then there was a lot of generosity. A lot of the drummers who ended up playing in the Pharaohs, which is, I don't know if you were aware of the Pharaohs, but there was a lot of things going on. I mean, the art ensemble being this sort of unique magical chemistry of things but at the same time they were very much part of the the environment that was there and so the pharaohs were part of that i mean sun ra had moved on but phil koran is kind of the link and this ultimately links up with earth wind and fire and a lot of things so culturally and that's i guess what's hard to describe is the the cultural connection and the environmental um dynamic of what went into the creation of all that music but it really is like that and for me it's almost like my hearing the music almost has an aspect of sort of my personal nostalgia music in a way I mean it's so tied into my growing up and and that period and sort of coming to myself but anyway back to that concert that was where I sort of this I'd been so I'd been into this hand drumming and I was sort of like, this is this is uh, 
what could be better than doing this? I was an art major. I had a scholarship. I was taking classes at the Art Institute of Chicago. I was going to paint and draw and da 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 Chris Wool was a good friend of mine. We were hanging out a lot, and, and he ended up going into visual art. And um, But when I heard this, I was like, this, this is like the hippest thing that could ever you could ever do your it's free i mean your imagination it was high high art you know and the feeling of the music was so powerful anyway that's the long that's sort of a, a snippet that's, of it it's great man i mean you really paint such a vivid picture i think there are people maybe uh the host of this program included uh, who are big fans of this group and didn't have that experience and maybe didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And it's uh, really adds to, I mean, I, not to take anything away from the originality and Im- imagination of them mm, to yeah. created what they did, but that it didn't come out of no place. It came out of a very special place. No, absolutely. A special place, a special time. I mean, that's how those things are. It's sort of that confluence of things. And then that chemistry of those five people. Like I said, I'm not an expert. I'm just giving my my perception of it. But I was over, I guess, 40 years later of having been involved in this in this music uh, and um, is that I could say that that chemistry is really something and there was something about that. And I, I'm... Um, I would imagine if you asked Roscoe or any of those, I mean, that was so much about it. Um, and that they'd really developed, uh, you know, developing a sound and a direction together. So for me, so what was so important, though, what I realized right away hearing them was that this is what I want to do. And at the same time, I can never do what they're doing because they're, they, they, it was so connected with who they were and that whole idea of their of the cosmology of even that environment of the south side of Chicago, Hyde Park, late 60s, early 70s. It was so much that and then them as individuals tuned into the cosmos. At the, even at the time where I was saying, this is what I want to do, it wasn't that I want to play that music, but I want to exercise my imagination that freely. I want to cultivate my art so that I can be that free. And I think what they showed me was, especially in retrospect as I look back on it, that anything you can imagine to do as an artist, you can do it. It's it's a thing about cultivating the imagination, the cultivation of intuition, and the, and then if you have the courage to do it. And that was the thing I saw from them. They had the imagination to, to be free to 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 uh, uh, create their own expression, and they had the courage to do it. Nowadays, we look back on it. You know, it's an artifact. I mean, not an artifact in a dead way, but it's it's it exists. You know, it's like it's there. It's like it's been there forever. But it's like looking at um, uh, you know Madame Bovary early novels. You know, it's kind of like it existed forever. But somebody had to be the prototype. And so when you look back on it now and see that the step that they took and from the, from the context of what, what all was going on was incredible. The kind of courage and imagination they had and just, you know, really brilliant, brilliant people. And anybody who's sort of engaged in trying to find their own prototypical expression themselves have an understanding of what that is. And so much about uh, and it was a really, a, I mean, we can talk more about that later because it was really so much a Chicago, Midwest, Chicago, St. Louis, and and um, so much about that in some way, not not New York. And so much about a group. That's the other thing. 
is uh, we could wax poetic for a while about that because what it means, what they meant. Maybe we'll leave that because what that whole idea of a group dynamic. But anyway, so they showed me that that and it set a tone for my that still carries me today, which is like is like to continue to cultivate your imagination to to continue to experiment and no matter what anybody else is saying and um and to have the courage to do it and it was so beautiful last time when i ran into you we were at ornette coleman's house right yeah. and he and um so i sat down with ornette and he, over and over he was just you know it was like he was he, he reminded me of that he was like be yourself be yourself. Don't be what you think, even what you think you want to be. Be yourself and don't let anybody tell you what to do or anything else. And and it was like, you know, here it is 40, you know, 40 years later from that art ensemble experience and hearing it again. And that's something that's really, uh, really a thread. So, so it's not even about, for me, about that I want to go and try and recreate an art ensemble sound or any more than somebody should go you would want to go back and try and play like Charlie Parker or Coltrane it's about about the cultivation of your own imagination in other words we move from the I call it moving from the what to the how to the why and the what is what sort of initially attracts you that's the intuition you know you say I mean we were you were obviously drawn to their music and or into this music in some way and you don't even know why you know, but you are, it's calling to you, you know, that's the what. And then the how is the very important step you have to take as an artist, which is to move from the idea of imitation to understanding, well, how did they do that? What is the creative process? How does that work? That's where the mentorship thing is important. Then you move, I think, I feel ultimately you move from the how, which has to do with process, because process means you can create your own your own ideas of process and deal with elements for yourself. But ultimately you move into the why, which the why element is the mysticism of it, right? I mean, that's all about everything. And so that's what was so radiant about those early concerts I saw with the Art Ensemble of Chicago, was it was just so radiant, sort of there is something about the realm of, spirit was coming through i'm not talking about religion i'm talking about spirit you know and and um that was just no it was, really it was moving i was i didn't get to experience them at that period but later but i did later and, you did sure and, and and that that was you really just put your finger on it that these what's radiant is such a great word tell me can you tell me your, can you tell me your your uh oh, well just um your, your first experience well, me, of hearing let them? the audience know you are listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. We call this show Deep Focus. And our guest tonight is Adam Rudolph of Chicago. And we're talking about the Art Ensemble of Chicago. And uh, Adam Rudolph of of Planet Earth and Points Beyond (laughs) might be a better way to put it. But he was Adam Rudolph of Chicago when he discovered the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Um, And uh, I want to ask you, you talked about this power and uh, majesty and energy and uh, radiance coming from the stage of these five guys together. Mm. Do you think you can unpack a little bit what each of them brought? Because something that you're, my experience, the first thing you're struck by is this ensemble presence, but then the realization that there are individuals making up that. Right, that right, group. right, right. 
That's uh, you know that's that's a um, I won't say a trick question. It's a tricky question though, and the reason it's a tricky question is it sort of moves me into the realm of I don't want to be presumptuous because I wasn't inside of the situation. You know, uh, even though as I said later, I. I've had the opportunity to play with everybody in the group uh, out in, in other projects, um, except for Don Moyer. And I was saying, actually, I'm going to do a project with Moyer in um, Denmark uh, in June. Um, so it's hard to know, and it's hard to really say what it is. I could certainly, I could, I mean, from my impression of what was going on, so, and well, let me just put it this way. Anybody who knows better and who's listening, forgive me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I felt like the the mysticism that was Malachi favors radiated some I mean, when I talk about the magic, somehow it was it was the chemistry of the interaction between everybody. But there was some kind of um Malachi was uh some other kind of being, you know, for sure, you know. Um, uh, but then, I, you know, I used to hear Joseph and Don Moyer would do these duet concerts, and they had this, they had like a really kind of synergy. And then Lester, of course, brought, um, I think, his experience of, uh, you know, he had a, another kind of dynamic to his virtuosity. But see, virtuosity is something that uh, I've been talking a lot to the people in my my organic orchestra about that this idea of virtuosity is really something that need that they kind of redefine for me too when I think about them because everybody's like well virtuosity in the so-called jazz world might be defined as Charlie Parker being the highest for example let's say and that is there that's undeniable but if you look at it for example from um an African perspective, okay, virtuosity only exists relative to the functionality of what it is you're trying to do. Um, so, for example, people criticized Miles Davis a lot for, you know, when he was in that group with Pete Cozy, also, by the way, really connection there, um, because he wasn't, you know, running up and down the instrument. He had this wah-wah, and he was like so. But see, he was trying to, he was pursuing an idea of virtuosity that had to do with the weaving of the fiber, of being part of the whole weaving of the fiber of what everything was going on. So it wasn't this idea of somebody floating on a solo on top. And, man, it's amazing to me that people were still, maybe even more than then, kind of everyone sort of hung up on that idea that that's where it's at, you know, that that's the idea of virtuosity. In my Go Organic Orchestra, when we do our workshops, I always I, I have a name for it. I, I'm training a lot of the because there's a lot of classical player stuff. I, I I call it I call it vocum, which is called virtuosity of the collective usum, right? And if you want to go to the root of what that's all about, you would go and you would really think about the Mbuti or Babazeli people. You know, that's where that's where that really comes from. So the Ardans, these guys had some kind of deep consciousness about that i mean connected to africa but also stockhouse i mean they were they they had just uh uh cracked everything open so so anyway but lester definitely brought the idea of virtuosity that would be related to 
the rhythm and blues and jazz continuum. I mean, and, 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 you know, he could play anything, anytime and like sort of phenomenal. And, um, but then Joseph and Roscoe sort of had their virtuosity that was really related to what they were trying to do, you know? Um, and, uh, Moy, you know, Moye was, you know, they were all, it was just the chemistry of it all. So, you know, Moye brought, you know, a certain kind of energy and dynamic to it. Um, so, you know, each one of them, but you know, they the sum was greater than the parts. There's no doubt. They, to to yeah. my experience of it, you know, um, and I think they would. I think everybody. Um, I just was talking to Billy Hart the other day, and he was saying, you know, uh, that that Herbie Hancock from that same period, uh, by the yeah. way, that Herbie Hancock Mondishi Sextet. He said yeah. that was the highest musical experience he had been involved in, and the same reasons as the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Great musicians, but some kind of confluence of a coming together, a chemistry, right? Yeah. Back to this uh, thing yeah, about chemistry that's the sort of X factor. And um, and also a group. It was a group, you know, where the same people played together and they developed a language together. So that language of like I said when I saw you know I would see Moye and Joseph do these duet concerts and and then Malachi playing with different people in this thing the, but the language that they had together because when you have a language together that's what I try and try and developing with my moving pictures group is if we have a language together then you're free you see but otherwise if you don't have a language together you're always trying to kind of kind of find what I guess we call the lowest common denominator which can work too, but the more evolved your language is together, uh, the freer you can be. So by the time I was my last concerts with um, uh, Brother Yusuf Latif, um, we we would do these duets and we didn't even talk about it. I mean, the, we talked about a lot of things, but we didn't need to talk about what we were doing anymore. We had our language together, you know. And so that's what I saw. What the art ensemble was like, and it was so different from every. It was even different from a lot of the other AACM. I mean, Air was doing incredible concerts. That was another incredible group, too, by the way. Yeah, very magical. And Steve McCall was one of the really super encouraging uh, cats. He lived two doors down from me, and he was like really, he'd hear me practicing and let me come over to his house. He was like really such a kind, uh, kind person. And he was involved in the early days with the Art Ensemble. Well, everybody, yeah, with, through the AACM, I mean, I think he was playing with, I don't know the whole history of it. I know George Lewis's book, you know, tells all, and it's a fascinating book. But, yeah, of course, Steve was playing with Roscoe, and everybody was, you know, doing a lot of different things. And I think the original drummer, though, with with those, it was sort of this coming together from, like I said, I don't want to be the expert, but I, Joseph Jarman had his group, and then Roscoe had his group, and there was some way, some sort of, confluence of that but philip wilson had been playing with um with the art ensemble too the roscoe mitchell art ensemble and then he went with paul butterfield who went to the same high school i went to by the way we had the same art teacher in fact yeah and uh so anyway that's well i think you really hit it on the head of this group we're talking about the art ensemble of chicago manifesting this almost complete seeming to the audience this hive mind this collective yeah. knowledge among them and yet within that utter individuality expressing itself at the same time which is a pretty 
pretty stunning achievement. And you, maybe that's a hallmark of every great group in, in music. But uh, you're certainly hearing it and seeing it mm. with the Art Ensemble of Chicago. We're talking with Adam Rudolph, kind and generous enough to bring himself here My to pleasure. talk tonight on Deep Focus on WKCR-FM New York. We're here with you till 9 p.m. And uh, I'm Mitch Goldman. We also, not only do we have the wisdom and spirit of Adam Rudolph in the studio <laughs> tonight, we also have some unreleased live recordings of yeah. the Art Ensemble Chicago. And uh, if you're just joining us or you've joined us during this little bit of conversation, uh, you might have missed part of this performance from Hamburg at the mm. Fabrique June of 1977. Is that, do you know that? I think that venue's still there. It was there for many years. Yeah, I've, I've, if it's there now, 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 I'm not, not sure. But yeah, yeah. it's a longstanding. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so uh, maybe there's some people who can picture this place. And uh, we're going to go back and hear some more from this recording. Beautiful. Yeah, why not? So uh, it's Deep Focus. The Deep Focus is on the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Adam Rudolph's our guest, and we are going back to the stage of the Fabrique with Lester Bowie, Joseph Jarman, Roscoe Mitchell, Malachi Favors Magostas, and Famadou Donmoye on WKCR.
That's Deep Focus from April 28th, 2014. Adam Rudolph on the topic of the Art Ensemble of Chicago. That's part one of three parts. Got two more parts waiting for you, so go and check them out. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman, and let me just tell you as the holiday season rolls around, Deep Focus is a perfect holiday gift. You can give it to friends, family. It's the one thing you can give away and still have. And it doesn't cost you nothing. Deep focus and love and a cold. Three things you can give away and still have. There's a little bonus for you. A little, a little, little quiz question you could share with the friends. That makes four. Wow. Okay, I better stop now. See you over at part two.